Welcome to Resilient Burlington, where community leaders share their visions for Vermont. I'm your host, Orion Green, and with me today is Trisha Coates, Interim Executive Director of Lund. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, thanks, and thanks for having us on. What would you like to get the word out about? Lund has been around for 130 years. Wow. And it is all the more relevant to what's happening in Vermont today. Um, we have provided um, a variety of services um, all those years, but right now um, we are especially focused in three areas. Um, adoption, treatment for mental health and substance use disorders, and we have a suite of services for children and families. It's been an incredible effort by our staff um, to continue to provide these really important services for families uh, at a pretty stressful time. So it's a wonderful organization. Um, it's very uh, woven into the fabric of Vermont. We are a statewide human services organization, and I'm happy to you know, answer any questions about any of those things I've just mentioned. How are you engaged in the community? How do people get connected to your service or find out about resources that you provide? We have such a variety of services, and for each one, we have amazing partnerships. For example, uh, in our adoption services, you know, our partners really the state of Vermont. We um, support the adoption of children who are in the foster care system currently. Um, we support adoptive families. We have in South Burlington a 50-slot child care um, center, uh, the Lund Early Childhood Education Program. Um, that's a lot of families that we serve. And some of those families have been referred to us through um, from local schools, um, from state agencies, and many of them are families who um, come to us uh, because of our reputation. Um, people are engaged with our treatment programs through referrals from any variety of uh, you know, providers, from state agencies, from word of mouth. Other ways that folks in the community connect with Lund are through volunteer service, whether on our board of directors um, or as volunteers um, in many of our programs. Uh, we really rely on volunteers to provide a lot of important services to us. Um, it's been hard during COVID-19. Folks have been amazing by making us masks, dropping off supplies, um, and checking in with us to make sure that our, our staff are hanging in there. The other way that community members connect with us is donating. Um, we have wonderful friends who um, have supported us for many years, um, large and small. So uh, those are really the ways that we connect with, with the community. And of course, we're active, you know, we're involved in business associations and we're active as advocates for our clients um, in the community and in the state. And, you know, remember that children in foster care are not, a lot of people picture adoptive children as babies and there are babies, but they're also 16 year olds who've been waiting for years um, for a forever family. And finally, you know, we're able to find that, uh, the right match. So there are children of all ages who are being adopted in Vermont you know, today. In some ways, it's even more important for those older kids to get a family and that you know, you turn 18 and then suddenly you're on your own. But most of us, we turn 18 
we don't just uh, leave the house and our parents never support us again. Right. Uh, it's hard to navigate the world where suddenly uh, you're 18 and you don't have a family there to support you when times are tough. You know, our folks who work in this program, who, by the way, are some of the most wonderful people I've ever met, have been at it for many years. And Well, let me give you an example. There was a young woman who had been in the foster care system for most of her life and had had many transitions from different families and really had given up. You know, she was 16. She's like, I, I'm just going to age out. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of hoping that I was going to find a family. And our folks stuck with her and found a family uh, last year. And right after she turned 16, uh, she had an adoption ceremony. And this year she is um, with the support of her family, she is making plans for her future after high school. Um, like you said, you know, we're older, but we still rely on our family, um, especially now in this time when we're getting back to basics and every, every child deserves a family. So that's, that's why we get up and do this work every day. What kind of supports do potential adoptive parents need that, that you help them with? We have um, professional post-permanency counselors. They're called post-permanency, so after adoption. And they go in and support family with, um, you know, all kinds of parenting education, um, supports for children who are maybe making a transition to a new school, a new community. And they make sure that that family is connected with community resources. Um, there's a lot of really, there's a lot of education that might happen for schools um, around the needs of uh, children, of adoptive children and parents. If there's a common thread that goes through Lund's program, it's really about supporting the family. So, for example, I mentioned earlier our residential and community treatment program. So it's um, our program, it's in Burlington. It's a residential facility, treatment facility for parents who are in treatment for a mental health or substance use disorder um, who are parenting children under five. And it's the only um, residential treatment program in the Northeast of the country where a parent can come and get treatment with their child. And so if you picture a building with 28 families, um, moms with young children. And so every day they might receive a mental health therapy session. They might receive substance use disorder counseling. There might be a group session. Um, there's always community building. Um, there's always family education. There's support for the child in child development. So it's really a wonderful opportunity for these families to make a better life, to transition away from the, the grip of addiction or mental health uh, disorders to independence. Um, so really, so again, it's very different from adoption, but again, it's about supporting the success of that family, um, both the parents and the children. And the same is true for the community clients who we treat in that program. It's um, very much about making room, providing an opportunity for families to um, get to a better place.
a lot of people say, gosh, Lund has so many programs, you know, why are we, why do you have so many programs? They don't connect, they're hard to talk about. But if you picture that mom in a residential program with her child, and maybe it's the first time she's lived in a community with a, in a supportive community. Maybe it's the first time she's had an opportunity to send her child to a childcare center, which we have, where she's working with the teachers in that program to support the development of her child while she's accessing treatment. And, you know, she may have come to us without a high school degree. And our New Horizons education program, she can also go and work toward her high school diploma. I'm not a human services professional, I'm not a social worker, but I've coming to learn about this concept of wrapped wraparound services and how important they are. Um, often I think with government, we want to support recovery, we want to support childcare. They're all expensive. When we can put them all together for one person, the impact is going to be quicker, it's going to be longer lasting, and in the end, it's going to save the state a lot of money. I've seen it. It's really amazing the progress that our clients make. Instead of just being separated and having the added stress of you're trying to recover, right. but you can't see your kid, being able to see your kid through recovery makes it uh, more likely to, to find success in an easier process. You know, related, again, I'm going to pull that common thread of supporting families and have you picture uh, what it must be like for a mom to go to prison. If you are ever able to visit the, um, the correctional facility uh, for women here in South Burlington, at the back of the facility, there's a room that is devoted, that is basically devoted to Lund. And it's where we um, offer our kids apart program. And we have a wonderful uh, staff member who works right there in the facility to support moms who are parenting while incarcerated. So their children are out in the community with a caretaker separated from their mom who's incarcerated. So it's a really wonderful support where our counselor helps them stay connected with their children. She supports the visits um, when they come um, to have really productive, wonderful visits. Um, we have another staff person who is in the community working with those children. So they together really support the, the um, healthy connection of that family through the incarceration. Uh, the chance of that woman succeeding in her recovery in her re-entry to the community is much higher if that relationship has been supported all along. We know that the, the success of those children who are surviving this very adverse experience of a mother in prison um, is going to be much higher. Their, their, their chance of success in school and in the community is going to be much higher with the support of our folks. So the Kids Apart program is unique in the state. And again, another one of those um, ways that Lund supports families um, by supporting the parents and the children. So you get funding from federal and state resources, but a lot of times those funds often don't cover the full cost of a program. And so it's really essential to 
have extra community support and funding for these programs. Visit lundvt.org. <laughs> yes, it is very, very essential. And 75% of Lund's funding comes from state and federal sources. As you can hear from the, the way I described our programs, there's a real strong connection between the, especially the Department of Children and Families and Lund. So we work very closely together and have contracts with them. But, you know, the state budget is under a lot of stress right now. We're worried about what that might mean. We have been level funded for many years, so we've reduced staff. Um, we are constrained in the number of people we can serve in these programs. And I understand, you know, state funding is very tight. There's a lot of demand. But, you know, I, like any other human services provider in the state, is going to tell you that um, prevention, um, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And we're all about prevention. And, um, you know, helping people be independent from, um, from state services. So, uh, yes, we are growing our um, foundation support. We're growing our donation, our individual donor support, which I'm so grateful for. Um, but at the end of the day, we're going to live and die by uh, our state contracts. What has been uh, one of the biggest surprise? COVID-19 was not on my list, Orion. <laughs> that was not on my list. And, and I wouldn't, so that was a surprise, but I think the thing that really blew me away was the fact that like, we knew it was coming and then we knew that things were gonna change. But the fact, the day that we heard that there was going to be like a stay-at-home order and that we were gonna to have to change the way we do things, I was blown away by the ability of our staff to, first of all, commit to staying in touch with every client and continuing to deliver services and then finding out a way to do it in this environment. So for all of those people we have going into homes across the state, they had to get permission from the state to deliver services um, through Zoom or through on the phone, or they had to get permission to be able to enter a home if there was a, the situation warranted it. And how would they do that? So the surprise is like the capacity of human beings to adapt. What do you see as the biggest challenges or opportunities in Vermont? You know, I think Vermont has always um, had, you know, sometimes I say expensive tastes, but I also think we've had a commitment to doing the right thing um, by our people, um, whether that's providing a really high class education system or providing um, essential services and preventive services. The way that we've decided to, to pay for that um, might not have always been uh, the most sustainable and now those chickens are coming home to roost. So all of those things that we haven't been able to fund adequately really now <laughs> are so needed and we haven't figured out how to, how to fund them. So I'm concerned about the financial um, picture of Vermont and hope that their um, our leaders can be very visionary. I honestly think that, uh, you know, as somebody who enjoys the outdoors, I think recreation is an opportunity for Vermont. Um, I think recreation and our natural beauty is going to draw 
continue to draw people here. So how can some of those parts of the state that have not seen an economic recovery since the last recession, how can they leverage uh, the recreational opportunities they have? Who inspires you in Vermont and beyond? I think right now the people who inspire me the most are the moms that we work with. I have two grown daughters and, you know, uh, they were very fortunate to have what they needed to get an education and they had a supportive family and, and they're doing well. And that was really hard. <laughs> I didn't come to the job with, without the support of generations of women around me. I didn't come to the job with an addiction. I didn't come to the job with financial um, hardship. And so when I look at these moms and I see that they've ridden two buses to get to the, their children to the child care center where they know that their child is going to get the support they need because they, we have a trauma-informed child care education program where they've taken two bus and it's two buses and it's winter and they've got a baby too. Um, and they've still got to go home and, and get to their job. I mean, that is commitment to your children like I have never seen before. You're listening to Resilient Burlington. I'm your host, Orion Breen. And with us today was Trisha Coates, Interim Executive Director of Lund. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Orion.